Even when you try to maintain a healthy diet, it can be tough to get all of the nutrients you need for long-term health. Care of makes it super easy and even fun to figure out what vitamins and supplements are best for your diet and lifestyle. Go to takecareof.com and take a short quiz to get your personalized vitamin recommendation. Use offer code AMR at checkout for 50% off your first month of vitamins. Welcome to another Mother Runner. This is Sarah in Portland. And this is Dimity in Denver. And you are fresh back from Steamboat Springs, aren't you, my friend? I am. Steamboat Springs, north and west of this fair city that I live in, Denver. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, we did a, I had a little, it was kind of under the AMR radar, which I feel, so I feel a little sheepish talking about it. Um, I know, it was even under my radar when we were talking on, I guess it was Friday morning, you're like, whoa, yeah, and in a couple hours I'm going to leave. I'm like, whoa, leave, whoa, did you get approval to do that? Where are you going? <laughs> Where are you going? Who said you could? Um, yeah, so Grant and I, uh, my husband, we celebrated oh well, actually yesterday was our 14th anniversary oh, right. woo, woo, for 14 not sure what what that is wood paper silver <laughs> yeah. pen ink styrofoam uh, yeah. <laughs> at this point it's probably you know sandwich crust given <laughs> given how many gifts we give each other these days um was there a so, spoon uh, involved what's that was there a spoon involved gifts gifts spoons oh spoons oh i'm like spoon no i don't think it was the spoon year um (laughs) no no there were no gifts involved well there was but that's a whole other story um but uh yeah so we got the opportunity to go run the steamboat springs half marathon Mm -hmm. um well actually got an email from a friend of mine who does the pr for the the town of steamboat or helps with it Mm -hmm. and she emailed and this is after we both decided that we are not doing our respective very long races me boulder 70.3 grant the colorado marathon we just decided we don't need that crazy in our life right now. Let's just scale back and mm-hmm. get a grip. Mm-hmm. And so I get an email from my friend and it says, uh, do you want to run the marathon in Steamboat? And I swear <laughs> it was like four weeks before, you know, the, the, the marathon. And I was like, uh, no, I really do not. <laughs> but, but I wrote it back and I said, no, you know, not trained for that. Um, but you know, is there any chance Grant and I could come run the half marathon? Mm-hmm. Um, and, um, and that was a go. So we went and, um, and I said to Grant before we left, I said, you know, so we can take the kids, we can leave the kids, you know, I think they'd have a lot of fun. And I think that they're old enough that we could go run the race and, mm-hmm. you know, be up early morning and come back and get them and they'd be fine, you know, with a bowl of cereal and some TV. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and he goes, we're leaving the kids. <laughs> so I was like, okay then. So, um, so we left the kids at, at my sister's house. We left the dog at what mm-hmm. I call Camp Lisa, the dog sitter. And, um, and we took that. off for steamboat. I love that the dogs and the kids go to separate places. Well, I could have brought the dog to my sister's house, but um, she just got another dog. So she mm. had and a new rescue dog. So she has two. And I just felt like Mason is, you know, he's not a small, um, you know, insignificant dog. So <laughs> I didn't feel like I could drop her with all three of my children. Uh-huh. So, um, so anyway, so we got there. And, um, and and I mean, I so I actually wrote the race report already. Oh, and by the time you? that this comes out, mm-hmm. that was more um, me just realizing that I didn't need to get it up right away. And it's going to be on. Monday the it know, comes Monday out the, the day right it'll the race report will be out the day after this podcast is yeah so if you really want to you know if this isn't enough information <laughs> then you can just go back to my um my lovely post and so I, I apologize if it's uh if, if if the post feels repetitive but it was just the best race I mean I have to say like I told you yesterday I think my niche mm-hmm. is sm- small races in mountain towns like that <laughs> is where I find my group 
groove, you know? <laughs> and my response to that was, okay, way to have a very specific niche. <laughs> well, you know, I mean, after you've been running for, you know, I've been running for 20 plus years and you kind of know, like you just get a little bit more, you know, Selective. it's like, yeah, well, it's like what colors look good on you, right? <laughs> I mean, you know, I don't buy purple because I don't like the color and it doesn't look good on me. You know, I know that now. I'm 42 years old. And so now I know. I mean, it doesn't mean that I won't ever wear purple and it doesn't mean that I'm never going to race in, you know, urban environments or whatever. But that's just that's just like this, like, it's just this, I mean, sounds cheesy, but the spiritual thing for me. I mean, I just, I can't even tell you mm-hmm. how... You know, I mean, their miles went by and I didn't even know what mile I was on. I mean, that never happens to me Uh ever, Uh ever. Uh So, I mean, you know, it wasn't like, oh, am I at mile eight or am I at mile four? But I mean, I was like, oh my gosh, that mile was quick or, you know, or that was faster than I thought it was going to be, you know, I mean, and that, that is a very rare occasion in my life. So, um, can I just say, it reminds me of my father often quotes Emily Dickinson, the line, the soul selects her own society. So there like you to, go. There, so that's what you've done. Your your mountain town, small races. That's your that's your society. Yes, Emily and I mm-hmm. got a little we got a little thing going. Yeah. <laughs> um. So yes, yeah, so, I mean, and, and and the other thing about it is, I was totally relaxed because you know, part of it was it was flying under the AMR radar. So I didn't feel like I had to like all of a sudden be like, okay, and this is what I'm doing, and and I'm going to perform. Which I mean, I like that a lot. But there mm-hmm. are times where I'm just like. You know what? I mean, I, I showed up. I someone was like, "Did you wear your tutu?" I'm like, "No, I didn't wear my tutu. I didn't want to wear my tutu. I just mm. wanted to run by myself, you know, and not have to talk to people and not mm-hmm. have to." I just kind of, you know, became this little hermit dimity for thirteen point one. <laughs> um, so, I mean, a couple of reasons why I went well. I was so I was totally relaxed. I mean, mm-hmm. Saturday, Grant and I had a lovely day together that was just, just like old times, you know, like, you know, spending an hour in a bookstore, spending two hours at a nice long lunch, like just, you're like, wow, I I can get used to this lifestyle. Oh, whoops. I have offspring. I will not do that. Um, and then we went over to my friend's house for dinner Saturday night and I drank too much wine and we had such a good time. And, and I was like, you know, when she was like, do you want more? And I was like, yes, yes, I do actually, you know, and I'm like, I'm gonna screw it. I'm going to run tomorrow no matter what, you know? So it's, and, and whatever happens is going to happen. So, uh-huh. I mean, I went to bed and I didn't have my number on my bib. I didn't <gasps> have my goose laid wow, out. I the, was just like, wow, Dim, you were just go- living was, the Vita Loca. There. Like I was living, I was free balling it, Sarah, is what I was doing. <laughs> I was just free balling it. And, um, and so 4.30 Sunday morning. I mean, a thunderstorm, like it was over our heads. I mean, oh, it was, you know, well, because it's steamboat's almost at 7,000 feet. So you're, mm-hmm. so you're closer to that, you know, God to the this furniture situation, right? <laughs> and um, so it's like, you know, and it's for, it is, it is just like, it's epic. I mean, you know, epic, I know is overused, but it was epic. And I was like, Lying there, Grant is already up, of course, because he's got this, you know, like elaborate eating, pooping, <laughs> stretching schedule that he has to follow to a T. And uh, oh my gosh. and I'm like, I'm just lying there. And I'm like, you know what? I'm just going to run in the rain because it's, you know, it's here. I can't control it and it'll be a good day. Um, and the beautiful thing about mountain towns is that, you know, the rain moves quickly <laughs> or maybe not always, but I feel like thunderstorms come and move pretty quickly in the mountains. Mm-hmm. So, um, so by the time that we left for the race, I was like, uh, I don't know, should I bring my sunglasses and, and Grant oh. wears prescription glasses. Mm-hmm. And so he wanted to wear his because otherwise he'd be screwed. You know, he either had to have them on or not. Mm -hmm. So he decided to go for them. I'm like, oh, I should bring mine. And by the time I got to the start, 
like beautiful day, beautiful oh, day. I wow. mean, just lovely. So it's point to point, which uh-huh. I also find right. I like that a yeah, lot you more do like than that, yeah. mm-hmm. going, you know, because you're always like, every step is bringing me closer to home. I don't have to go out and then hang a Yui and come back, you <laughs> right, know? Right. Um, and then just, I mean, you know, the it, springtime in the mountains, I mean, I felt like I was in Switzerland. I mean, mm. that's how pretty it was. I mean, the, we've had an exceptionally good year for snow. So mm. the runoff was amazing. I mean, the, this river is the Yampa River was just going, I mean, crazy flooding, oh. but, you know, beautiful because it's just all white water and very strong and cool to look at. Uh-huh. Um and there's still snow in the mountains, so mm. that's beautiful against the blue sky. Uh-huh. And then wildflowers. I mean, sure Wild what's flower? that? Were there... Lots of wildflowers. Yeah, Sarah, uh-huh. you would have liked that. Uh-huh. And you know, even like Grant, <laughs> we went up and drove the course uh, because Grant wanted to. And uh, and I'm like, you know what? Even dandelions, you know, they look like weeds, but if you get you know a huge patch of them together, they look so pretty against the you <laughs> yeah, know all the that green. yellow. Mm-hmm. All that yellow, yeah. I mean, it was just lovely. So, <laughs> and I'm sure Steamboat, you know, I mean, it, it definitely. It's more of a like a western kind of Wyoming town than say like Vail or Winter Park. So I mean, Saturday morning we saw a rodeo with oh, wow. um, kids eight and under. Eight and under was a category in the barrel racing competition. <laughs> wow! Would you put an eight year old on a horse and say, "Go around a barrel three times"? Well, it's yeah. not even not even an eight year. I mean, that, that those are the old hats at the thing. I know. I know. We're talking. We didn't see them. We saw the we saw the uh, I think it was the nineteen like. Maybe fourteen and nineteen, and even they—I mean, some of them were so talented, wow. and others were uh, were just you know finding their rodeo groove. But that was fun to see. But but, but that's to say, like you know, so that's that kind of you know, it's got that kind of vibe to it—a rodeo kind of vibe. So right. right. But meanwhile, um, put so, those kids on a skateboard, and you know, they'd just be lost, you know, or yeah, something else exactly. that us <laughs> urban city slickers are used to. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Ask them to ride a uh, one of those scooters called uh, no, Segway. A razor. Oh, oh yeah. no, a razor scooter. <laughs> okay. Not a Segway. Kid has a Segway. <laughs> I just found out this week that um that my the twins teacher used to or maybe still has a Segway. I'm like, no way. What would you do with that? And the resale value of that has got to be so minimal. Like, you know, when it was all the rage? I mean, I remember, I think there was a 60-minute story on it. Oh. Like, it was like a huge thing. Oh, I know. And, I mean, it cost over $10,000, Do they right? Really? Oh, I, had, oh, I think so. Oh, I had no idea. I just don't, the thing, I mean, they're so Arrested Development for me, you know, Job from Arrest, the TV show Arrested Development. Really oh, I know segue. that show, yes. Yeah. I, don't know the, but the, I don't know the Segway scooter part of it, but. <laughs> yeah, so, um, yeah, so anyway, okay, so rodeo. So anyway, so yeah, so we're back in rodeo land. So, I mean, so we're, you know, you know, it, it feels quaint to me, the city slicker, but, you know, like <laughs> running by tons of cows and baby cows and horses and baby horses and buffalo and baby buffalo. And I mean, you know, I don't know, I that that's totally my scene i just love it red barns and wildflowers mm-hmm. and until um until my like 11 ish and then you have to you have to come into town you know like unfortunately that's just how it goes mm-hmm. so you know we're running down this beautiful valley for for almost 11 miles you come into town and i swear like every it, it reminded me a lot of ogden so as, as, as you were describing i'm like oh it sounds just like ogden yeah so you come down ogden and so i mean it was downhill from mile you know from the first mile to about a little before eight, but mm-hmm. it was pretty gradual. Like my legs felt tired about six or six and a half. I was like, okay, I'm ready to be done with this downhill. <laughs> but it wasn't, it wasn't steep downhill. Mm-hmm. Like, you know, where you can't get control of yourself, uh-huh. you know? Mm-hmm. And so then there's a climb from eight to 10. Mm-hmm. And, um, and that was one of the times where I was like, you know what, this is easier than 
I mean, it's not easy, but I just, I really like had it in my head that it was going to be a climb. And, you know, and so I just kind of saved my effort and, mm. and it turns out that works. <laughs> Imagine that. So, um, so anyway, so you get into town and then mile 11 or a little after 11 to 13 and a half is again, that kind of just sneaky, just crappy, you know, incline where mm-hmm. you're just like, come on, can't you just be flat or, you know, a little decline, but no, you climb all the way into town and it's one of those long, you know, main streets uh-huh, um, uh-huh. with like, you know, seven, I don't even know how many, but you know, street lights overhead and you're just like, you know, where for, you know, for the love, all that is good in this world, where is the finish line? Yeah. Where and, is that um, stinking arch? Come on. I know oh, it's floating you know, out it there. Wasn't, it wasn't a huge race. So it didn't have a big arch. You oh know? I mean, boy. It was, Capped it, the half was capped at a thousand, and I think the marathon was 500. Oh, wow! So, um, so, so I couldn't really see it, and then I was like, Where is it? Where is it? Um, so anyway, I finally got to it, but the the part that finished strong, you told me you wanted to teach me to finish strong, and I looked down at my watch mm-hmm. at um, so uh, back up a little bit. Mm-hmm. So I didn't wear my Soleus Fit, which is a GPS. I mm-hmm. decided that I'm just way too hung up on the numbers. Mm-hmm. I don't need to know how fast my pace is because I really want to. I really do want to learn how to run by effort. Mm-hmm. And um, and so this was all relaxed, and whatever happened was going to happen because you know our marriage is turning 14, and we're spending a weekend together, so it's all good no matter what. Mm-hmm. And uh, so I just wore my my Soleus Sports Watch, um, and I just clicked lap every time I passed a mile sign, oh. which they had you know, they had every mile marked oh, on the course. And that I think is my new best friend oh. because you can only, so you can't control what's already gone. Right. And so if I say I'm going to run this mile at a five effort and I click lap and it's a nine ten, then that's what it was. You know, oh, uh-huh. it didn't have to be a nine and it didn't have to be a nine twenty. You know, it was my five felt like a nine ten and that's that chapter's written. Let's start and a new chapter. Let me understand this. So, so I've never used a watch in that that manner. So that you're saying you use it as a um, a lap counter? Yeah. So you can you, you know on, on most sports watches, you know the Timex Ironman, the the Soleus watch. I mean any sports watch that has a digital counter mm-hmm. and has a that says lap on it. Mm-hmm. So what you can do is you can get the timer going, mm-hmm. and then anytime like if you want to clock your four hundreds, if you mm-hmm. want, I mean you have to have a distance that you want to know. You mm-hmm. know that, you, that a preset distance, I guess, is the best way to describe that. So. I mean, if the mile marker signs hadn't been there, I couldn't have done it. So so when I pass mile four, I hit lap mm-hmm. and it says, you know, 850, 910, whatever it is. Mm-hmm. But then in the back, the the cumulative time keeps ticking. Oh, it does. Okay. So you can yes. see, you can, you can look down and be like, oh, I've been running for um, hour 26 or something yeah, like that. Yeah, exactly. So, mm-hmm. you know, and you can, you know, so, so both of them are going on at the same time. Like one is on a smaller on the, on the top row mm-hmm. of the, of the watch. And then the bigger one is below. Gotcha. And so again, like it just, it just is like, okay, I, you know, that chapter is gone and that's, and I ran exactly, you know, I really tried to say, okay, I mean, I kept my effort at a good five, just like training run pace. Mm-hmm. Um, until eight, till mile eight. So, um, so anyway, so, and I have to say, Sarah, and I'm not one to brag about my running, but, um, I kept my splits. I mean, I think I wrote it in the post. I think, I mean, the fastest one was, um, I think eight 25 or something around there, but that was, but that was a very, very steep downhill right after we climbed up to mile 10. And then there was a very steep and I'm like, you know what, I'm going to go for it. You know, Mm -hmm. like, Mm -hmm. I feel okay. I'm just going to let it rip on this because it's a good thing, you know, Mm -hmm. like it's, Mm -hmm. you know, so Mm -hmm. I didn't, I didn't 
you know, pussyfoot down that hill. I definitely was like, I am coming through. Here comes locomotive dimity, you know? Um, was not light on my feet during that mile, probably. Um, so that was my fastest mile. Uh-huh. But then the rest of my, in my slowest mile, which was the two climbs, was like a 938 or something like that. Like, I had only a minute differential, which sounds like a lot, but given that those two miles were very, very different effort-wise, mm-hmm. was very, I mean, it was a very, very solid consistent race for me which i oh. haven't had in a in a long time so damn it was fantastic i mean you haven't Thanks. yet uh, i think you need to tell people what you ran it in. well so so yeah so then i get to the i get i finally pass you know all the stoplights and i finally see the little blue arch ahead and i'm like and i look down and it's 159 10 i think or six maybe it was 16 i can't remember it was uh-huh. definitely in the low 159s uh-huh. i was like okay let's go and i did and i finished um in um on my watch it was 159.50 on the real time. I think it was 45 or 46 because I started a little late. But yeah, I mean, to go sub to um, not really having trained for it much and also, um, you know, at a higher elevation and a tough course was um, was very I think, cool. I was I was very psyched. Oh, I was just thrilled. I am just thrilled for you. I think it's a fantastic effort. And, oh, and thanks. you know, you just really seemed you know, uh, enlivened by it all. And yeah, so, yeah, I yeah. think it's awesome. Yeah. Yeah. Well, and I compare it. I mean, I, I had run the Boulder Boulder that Monday. So I ran the Steamboat oh, Half on Sunday <laughs> and the Boulder Boulder on Monday. And uh, I mean, if you read my post about the Boulder Boulder, I wasn't unhappy with my effort, but it was just a tough race for me. I just, I just didn't, I didn't find a lot of joy in that race. Uh-huh. Um, and so I was really happy to go out and find a lot of joy and strength in Steamboat because, you know, sometimes you have one of those races and you're like, Okay, I know I like doing this, but really, like, mm-hmm, you know, mm-hmm. um, and so, yeah, now I'm fired up. And uh, so now I've run 13.1 mostly downhill. So now I've got a quote unquote run, <laughs> putting those in air quotes, 13.1 uphill to, to the top of Pikes Peak. <laughs> to bookend your efforts. That's yeah, wonderful. Yeah, exactly. Let's bookend. Let's make it all nice and neat. So. <laughs> Oh, awesome. Anyway, well, congratulations. Like lot, so, no, no, no. Uh, congratulations. I think that's fantastic. Yes. Yes. Awesome. So, well, good. Well, we have a Q&A podcast, which we haven't had in a while. So um, put up solicited questions from our Facebook page. So we have all fresh questions. And so let's let's dive in. And I say let's start with a gimme question for us. And it, oh, I'm a good gimme. Yeah. It, it comes from Emily with and then with a follow-up from Jill. And Emily says, with the onset of super sweat season, what do you do to replenish sodium after a good drenching run? I get headaches from, I believe, lack of salt, and I crave chips anywhere from 6 to 12 hours afterwards. There's got to be a better way to ingest sodium. <laughs> um, <laughs> well, I might argue with that. I... <laughs> for, uh, what, tablespoon or something, Emily? Yeah. Um, so I am the queen of a post-long run headache. Um, and... And or even a, a long effort too, or a hard effort. It doesn't have to necessarily be out there for hours, but it, if it's really humid and you're going hard, and you like you said, it's a it's a drenching kind of sweat. Mm-hmm. Um, I am very cognizant that I get headaches afterwards, and uh, for a long time. I would just hydrate, like just drink water, water, water. And I mean, you couldn't even tell that I'd gone to the bathroom, (laughs) you know, after I peed because I was just peeing clear. I mean, I was like, what the hell, you know? And I honestly would, I mean, I'm pretty liberal when it comes to the use of Advil. So I would suck down quite a few, um, you know, vitamin (laughs) I's and uh, and still my head is just 
banging, banging, banging. And I brought it up um, during a, a marathon when you're training for the 2007 marathon mm-hmm. to my coach. And she goes, Dimity, you need sodium. You need a lot of sodium. And so I started drinking noon mm-hmm. after my runs. Mm-hmm. And um, it's funny because uh, – so a little bit of a side note, but Kelly, who is my woman who did 26, or who I'm running 26 strong with the Saucony 26 strong program. Yeah. Um, she's, you know, she's running a marathon with me, I guess is a better way to say that. Um, so she emailed me and she did a, uh, a half marathon. She was a part of a relay team and she was the runner. Mm-hmm. She started at two in the afternoon mm-hmm. in Raleigh. Mm-hmm. North Carolina. Um, so the mm-hmm. run, that's when the run went off because the swim had gone, the bike had gone. Mm-hmm. So she had to get her teammates in. Mm-hmm. And so she started at two, it was like 85 and humid. Mm-hmm. And, um, and she thought that she'd had enough salt and her hands swelled, her feet swelled. Oh boy. Her heart rate went up. She, um, she had to walk from miles like nine to 13. Oh shoot. Like she just had a really, really tough race and it's the same. And I said, I think you needed more salt. I think you can't over salt. Um, if, if you are a heavy sweater, if it's a hot, humid day or if you're going out for, you know, a really tough or long effort. Mm -hmm. Um, Mm -hmm. so, so that's, so that, so the advice that I would give to Emily is what the same thing that I gave to Kelly is, I mean, right after I get home from a long effort on a summer day, I have a water bottle, a small, you know, 16 ounce water bottle Mm -hmm. with two noon tablets in it. It's a little strong, <laughs> at um, but I, uh, you know, I mix up the flavors, get my own little like, oh, you know, I know. you're, you're you quite know. the chemist or quite the, you know, um, what, uh, not a barista. What do you call someone who's a cocktail? A um, cocktail waitress? No. <laughs> a, bartender? A, bar, a bartender. No, there's a fancy term for bartender. I'm trying to get our producer's attention. I know that Alex would know what the, anyway. So okay. yeah, you're quite the little anyway, cocktail yeah, mixer. I, I like a good like Kona Cola slash, um, Lemon lime. It's uh-huh. a little like, you know, it turns like a little Pepsi light situation Ooh, kind of. Uh-huh. Um, or fruit punch sometimes in, in lemon lime. But anyway, that so I, I drink that and I chug that. And then I will probably have like one or two more full bottles with just one tablet of noon. And I know noon isn't the cheapest thing going, but it is it works on two fronts. It's um it replenishes your sodium and your magnesium, um, which is why you're having the headaches. Mm-hmm. And then it also just rehydrates you. Mm-hmm. And you know, because you've run and I know this sounds all girly, but you know, it's, it's tough sometimes when you're like, I just ran and I'm going to go down, eat the chips or, you know, down a drink that has a ton of sodium, but it's got 175 calories. Like mm-hmm. noon has no calories. So you can get the rest of your, you know, you can restock your muscles with healthy, good food, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, <laughs> Not yeah. a roll of Oreos, but like, you know, a good peanut butter jelly sandwich on wheat bread and, you know, an apple and, you know, maybe some chips too. Yeah. Um, yeah, yeah. And I also, you know, so that, uh, you know, I think both you and I do, we drink Noon, which if you don't know it, it's spelled N-U-U-N. Um, so, um, the, you know, we I drink an entire bottle of it before I go out for a run, no matter what length I'm doing and how hot, what the temperature is outside. And then, you know, when I carry my Ultimate Direction, you know, either handheld bottle or wear my um, waist belt, I have Noon in there. So, I mean, you know, it's before, during, and after. And uh, Yeah. Yeah. No, absolutely. Absolutely. So, yeah. And so, and also before you run, if you're, you know... Uh, handfuls of pretzels are good, you know, mm-hmm. maybe a little bit more, more salt on your normal dinner, you know, mm-hmm. like I said, I mean, obviously you can over salt, like, you know, I'm not, I'm not looking to raise your blood pressure, but mm-hmm. I know how, I mean, it feels like you have a hammer, like a railroad tie going through your head. Sometimes those headaches mm-hmm. can be so bad. Mm-hmm. Um, and I gotta say, you know, I'm just looping back, uh, cause it always loops back to steamboat. <laughs> I was really cognizant. I knew for sure that a headache would be coming on because, oh. 
it's altitude. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And it's an effort. Um, and I was really good about drinking noon all day long the day before the race. I had one right before the Right before we went off, I didn't carry it with me because um, I just, it was my, you know, mm-hmm. I'm just going to go race. Mm-hmm. But I stopped and they had power rated the stations. I stopped, walked through them, made sure I got nice. um, it all in my mouth. Um, mm-hmm. And then afterwards I did my, my two after, my two, my two tablet cocktail. Uh-huh. Yeah. Um, and, and then one, one more on the ride home. And my headache was minimal, if any. So, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, so it definitely... Because that's what I would do. Yeah, and I'm wondering because, you know, there's noon energy now that contains caffeine and doesn't uh, – uh, caffeine helps some people with their headaches. So I'm thinking maybe oh, that might be does. an option. Yeah. I'm, yeah. I'm sorry. I'm not a, a headache sufferer, so I, um, I'm i a little left out of this. But I sure do know how to, you know, drink noon. So uh, I can contribute <laughs> to that part of the conversation. So And, and if, you're, if, you're, if you don't have a headache right now and you can remember something on a run, we have a – a code for 20% off noon, special mm-hmm. AMR one. So um, it is A-M-R-N-U-U-N, A-M-R-N-U-U-N at noon.com. Or if you want to email us after this when you get home and we can share that with you because it's definitely worth a shot if you've never tried it before. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Uh, maybe I'll put it in even the post itself about this. So so, uh, so speaking of, of sodium and salt, um, Jill had a follow-up. Um, Jill, who was on our Ragnar team last year, had a follow-up to Emily's. She wanted to know salt tablets while marathon training, yes or no. And she says, um, she says she's super salty when she finishes a 20-miler like you. Um, Jill lives um, in a kind of desert, dry environment. So. She does in Albuquerque. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Whereas here, you know, the whole, oh, you know, I have enough salt on my face to loofah it. It's like, huh, what are you talking about? I'm covered, I'm, I'm drenched after a run. There's no drying of, of my sweat. So um, so she's thinking that, you know, uh, since she does have a lot of salt on her face afterwards, she knows she's sweating it out. And she wants to know if salt tablets are a good idea, but she's a little concerned they might make her sick. And, you know, I... Um, you know, I don't know. I where where do you land on salt tablets, Tim? Because I think it really depends on where you live and the distance you're running. And I don't know. Yeah, I mean, I think uh, I definitely think they're worth considering, especially if you are training for a marathon in Albuquerque in you know June and July and August. Um, that said, it's like anything else; you got to just try it and see if that actually helps you. Mm-hmm. And if it does, great. And you know, kind of experiment when you need to take them. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I I bought some once oh, did. Um, oh. because I. I did a story a long time ago for Women's Health Magazine, and I got to go down to this sweat lab at oh, the University remember, yeah. of Texas yeah. in Austin, and I was um, I got to have my sweat rate tested, which mm-hmm. was kind of fun. And I'm and I am a heavy sweater. Um, I definitely sweat like a man, and uh, and so that means you know at the end of like at the on Sunday, my black badass tank had little white streaks all around it. I had white on my shoulders. That's all just salt leaving the body. Uh-huh. Um, so I tried salt tablets, um, and I didn't feel any difference. Okay. And that's, that's me, you know? Huh. So I was like, mm, I, you know what? I just, I would rather just get my salt through noon and goo and, mm-hmm. you know, a handful of pretzels every once in a while. So I don't think that there's like a rule of thumb that says like, yes, you should take them or no, you not. No, you shouldn't. Mm-hmm. I think you should try them during your training and then decide, you know, if you feel a difference, if they work for your stomach, um, if they, you know, it's, it's like yeah. anything else. 
And and you bring up a good point with uh, goo has our favorite energy gel has salt in it, and and they seem to be making more and more formulations and flavors that have extra salt in it, like the um, yummy salted caramel and my absolutely new favorite that I just could eat all day long, uh, salted watermelon. Have you tried that flavor, Dim? <laughs> um, you know, I, I didn't yet. I, I oh. uh, Because I wasn't sure. I'm not usually a fruity girl. I'm more like chocolate vanilla oh, girl. Oh, I know. So yet I, another uh, difference between us. I'm such the fruit <laughs> exactly. flavor lover. You are. So I had uh, I had the new chocolate peanut butter oh, you did? on the uh-huh. course, on the steamboat course twice, where uh-huh. I did your, again, I Ooh. was thinking I did four, eight, and 11, or as mm-hmm. close to that as I could with mm-hmm. the mm-hmm. water stop situation. So I gooed at mile four, mile eight, and mile 11. Nice. Thought of you with every every suck down that I had. Um, so yeah, so I, I guess I mean I, there isn't an easy answer to salt tablets. So yeah, we'll yeah, just leave it as it is. But but it's it's worth trying if you're interested. And and then I mean just going to the running store and asking them what their thoughts are about it. Or also um, and and you know being the thrifty person that I am, you know instead of buying a whole bottle of salt tablets, what you know what I have done is just grab a couple salt packets. You know, like at a fast food restaurant, and <laughs> just carry those in a little plastic well, bag. That's a great idea. I mean, yeah. that's so. I mean, when I was helping Kelly with um, w- trying to help dissect what went wrong during her race, I went on to a a, a website about hyponatremia, which mm-hmm. is you know when you have too much water mm-hmm. um, and not enough salt, your your um your blood levels get kind of too hydrated. Mm-hmm. To simplify it very grossly, um, <laughs> and they and the guy, I mean, it was a, it was um suggestions on how to make sure that that doesn't happen to you. And he suggested just... Since 2011, BarkBox has been committed to making dogs happy. For humans, BarkBox is a delivery of four to six natural treats and super fun toys curated around a surprise theme each month. For dogs, BarkBox is like the joy of a million belly scratches. BarkBoxes include all-natural treats and innovative toys to match a dog's unique needs, including allergies and heavy chewer preferences. Not a phrase I say every day. Dimity's dog Mason, an energetic Weimaraner, is eagerly awaiting his first BarkBox. Dimity let BarkBox know the breed, size, and even name of her dog, as well as the all-important chewing preferences. And now, on the 15th of each month, a new box will get shipped to Mason. Each monthly box is themed, like Country Fair or Brooklyn Hipster, with new and unique toys to keep dogs engaged, interested, and happy. If your pooch doesn't like something in the box, BarkBox promises to send something they'll love, for free because BarkBox is all about dog happiness. Choose a plan. One, six, or 12-month plans are available. Cancel any time. Free shipping in the continental U.S. For a free extra month when you subscribe to a six- or 12-month plan of BarkBox, visit BarkBox.com AMR. That's BarkBox.com AMR. Woof! Thanks to StoryWorth for supporting our podcast. StoryWorth is a subscription service started by a fellow who wanted families to be able to share their memories and anecdotes with each other. Here's how it works. Purchase a StoryWorth subscription for someone you love, and each week, StoryWorth sends that loved one an email with a question about his or her life. The person either replies with his or her story via email or records it by phone by calling a StoryWorth number. After a year, the stories are bound in a lovely hardcover keepsake book. My husband Jack and I gifted StoryWorth to his dad, and we're especially looking forward to hearing his tales about going to medical school in Dublin, Ireland, which is where Jack was born and spent the first four years of his life. Then we'll share the book with Jack's siblings. For $20 off, visit StoryWorth.com AMR when you subscribe. That's StoryWorth.com AMR. 
taking some from a restaurant. So mm-hmm. that, that, that to me sounds so unappetizing, <laughs> you know, you're having a tough time in a marathon, a mile 18, and you're going to just suck down straight salt, but it might, oh, but, it but might it, taste but, good then. But even better, you know, cause I just chew the packet and then just pretty much, you know, <laughs> fiber, you're getting fiber and salt. Sometimes, sometimes I'll, you know, to think of how many chemicals are in that paper, but you know, I'll, I'll like the few times I've done, I'll either chew it up and then just kind of spit out the little wad or I'll just swallow it. So <laughs> TMI, TMI. TMI. Yeah. All so, right, let's move on. So, so um, we've got a question from Cynthia. Cynthia, who just, I have to say, she and Jody just represented AMR so fantastically at Zuma Annapolis. They were the ambassadors that we had selling our merchandise and our books. And I just want to give a shout out to them because they did an awesome job and they just had a blast. So <laughs> even oh, better. It. Yeah. Yeah. So but, thank you guys. Yeah. So, but Cynthia's moving her family uh her husband is in the military and they are moving from virginia to maryland so that's the background on her question so she's got nothing going on because she's got two two boys i think two or three i think it's two mm-hmm. and uh yeah so and then you know oh yeah i'll just drop everything and go represent you guys and work an expo for you guys and then oh by the way we're moving too <laughs> thank you cynthia um so she wants to know how you keep running in the midst of moving chaos yeah yeah so i think i think you really have to commit like like any time in your life when you want to, you know, exercise, you really have to commit and, you know, put it as a priority, put your workout and yourself first several times a week. So push aside the boxes, the packing paper, the bubble wrap, and put yourself first several times a week. And I think given how much chaos there is with moving, I haven't thankfully done it in over 14 years, but I just remember with horror that all the details there are. So, you know, I think maybe if you typically run five or six days a week or work out five or six days a week, you know, scale it back some, Cynthia or whoever else is listening and and aim for, I think, four days a week of running to maintain fitness and keep the cuckoo in the clock, but, you know, cut yourself some slack. And so if that, you know, four workouts drops down to three or two, you know, go easy on yourself and don't beat yourself up about it. Yeah. I mean, I think that's good. I've, I've moved a lot more than you. <laughs> yeah. Another difference with me, um, when my kids were young, uh-huh. um, we moved four times in three years. So, um, I mean, we've been in this house now for almost five years and that's the longest I've been in a house in a very long time. Oh wow! And, um, so that, so the, so I think your, um, recommendations feel ambitious to me. I'll be honest because <laughs> I almost feel like, I mean, cause, cause it is exhausting just doing the packing. Mm-hmm. I mean, unless you've got a moving service, which I'm guessing, I don't know how the military moves people, right. but I mean, it is, you know, especially when you've got kids and they've got so much plastic, <laughs> excuse me, stuff, plastic stuff. Um, and they've got, you know, I mean, it's, it is exhausting and you know, and you're up and down the stairs and you're running to the store to get more packing tape and you're going to find boxes and you're, so, I mean, I would say if you can get up and I would say it's definitely got to be a morning thing because you are going to have no energy at the end of the day. Oh yeah. Um, I would say just get up and get it done and, I mean, personally, and again, you know that I like to be conservative, but I would say cut your normal run at least by 25%, if not closer to 50, Mm -hmm. and just go do that and do that, you know, three or four days a week. If you can do four, great. If it's three, that's fine, too. Yeah, Um, so so we had the same numbers of times, right? I said four. Well, yeah, but but yeah, yeah, I guess so. Yeah. I think, uh, yeah, but I mean, you don't have to strength train because you're moving all those boxes and you're walking up oh, and down sure. stairs all oh, yeah. day long. Oh, yeah, yeah, um, And And I think, um, yeah, but I just think cutting it back to a mm-hmm. place where you're like, okay, I am going to go for 25 minutes. I'm going to go for, you know, 
half an hour and because it's not like you're sitting at a desk chair all day when you're mm-hmm. moving right mm-hmm. so yeah, no. No, no, no. yeah yeah so and i think you really need to schedule those runs like you like a doctor's appointment or a haircut or any other appointment you might <laughs> except that you that it starts at 5 30 in the morning um and it's not like a cable appointment where you wait to come hook it up and it's between 8 and 12 <laughs> oh i'll just go when you know i'll just go when fill yeah. in the blank right yeah no 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 it has to be has to be you know inked in almost and and, uh, you know, I think you need to get your spouse or partner on board asking for help, which can be tough for some of us. So if that means, you know, let's say you want to go on a, you know, join your friend, because I think that's another thing with, with moving, you know, you're probably leaving behind some running buddies. Mm-hmm. So, you know, so let's say you want to go on one last long run with the ladies or whatever it is, you know, say, okay, honey, I know we have three more rooms to pack up, but I really want two hours on Saturday morning to go out you know, with my friends and go running. So, um, you know, and, and maybe get your, yeah, yeah. I think that's a good idea. I think it's a great idea. Yeah. And, and then also maybe get your kids involved, you know, um, maybe make it a kind of a, a farewell tour of your neighborhood or something, or, you know, hitting up favorite parks and playgrounds on runs so that they'll be more kind of inclined to join you either in a stroller or on their bikes or whatever it is. So. Well, I think um, and then once you, you're packed up and you're moved, I think it's really important that you go running like almost just not as mm-hmm. soon as you get there. You know, don't hit the ground. You know, you land at the, the moving man pulls up at 2 p.m. and you're out the door at 2.30. But right. I mean, within the first couple of days, just so you find a route that feels OK to you so that mm-hmm. you can hit that a couple of times as you're unpacking. Because yeah. the biggest thing is, you know, if you decide you know, I get three weeks swallowed up and I haven't run at all. Then you get to this new place. You've got tons to unpack. Mm-hmm. You're still tired and you're losing fitness because, um, you haven't been able to run. Yeah. You know, I think it's important just to, you know, kind of just get those sparks flying a little bit when you get to the new spot. Yeah. I, I distinctly remember the first run I took when I moved into our house here in Portland and I, headed one way and and I just really had no all I knew was that a friend of mine lived nine blocks from me and I for some reason just headed the opposite direction um it was just like oh I haven't been this way so I'll go that way and discovered the high school track that is oh um about two-thirds of a mile from our house I was like oh who knew that a track was so close to our house and so um I just think there's that excitement of discovery that's a lot of fun yeah absolutely uh, you know it just makes everything feel more homey so um so, Dim, why don't you read the next question? I've been kind of hogging the question reading. Oh, no worries. No worries. Um, there's a, a bunch of women who mm-hmm. are wanting advice for running while pregnant. Um, Danielle, Martha, and Stephanie are just a few women who asked. Um, so Stephanie asked, running while pregnant, exclamation point. <laughs> Do's, don'ts, dealing with extra chub rub and the big boob factor, especially <laughs> for us, excuse me, especially for those of us who are usually in the bra optional category of the chart. <laughs> Wow, bra optional, Stephanie. That is a uh, that is a mighty flat chest. I'm yeah. sorry. But, yeah, know. I'd say because I was like, oh yeah, I kind of lumped dimming me in that. It's like, no, we're not bra optional. I'm not bra optional. I can feel it if I don't. You know, <laughs> a few times I bound up and down the stairs. You know, in the middle of the night to get something. Um, so I mean, we would um, be negligent if we didn't start out with saying check with a doctor with your doctor first, and hopefully, uh, you know, you have a doctor who is of this century and 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 this this uh, millennia and understands you know that that a lot of the rules have changed um you know there's no more of that it used to be gosh i mean maybe this dates me but i just remember when i was pregnant with phoebe and there was the whole you know oh don't get your heart rate over 140 beats per minute 
And they've the American College of Obstetrics and Gynecology has tossed that out of the window. ACOG, um, you just call it ACOG. ACOG, yeah. I used to be a contributing editor for Fit Pregnancy, so I've done a few um, running during pregnancy stories. So so that one's at, out the door. And then, um, but you should still be able to talk in short sentences during an entire run. And that's how you know. So instead of keeping your eye on a heart rate, that's how you you know monitor your intensity, and that. When I was pregnant with Phoebe and I was running, I I didn't run with anyone else. And so I would just talk to myself. Um, so. You okay in there, baby? <laughs> yeah. Or just like, oh, look at the pretty tree. Oh, that's, you know, oh, I wonder how, you know, how far I've gone. And just, just inane little things. But okay, yes, I can say that out loud. This is a crazy pregnant lady over there talking to herself. Right, say, right. The, say the old old couple on the bench. No. Right, right. Um, yeah. 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 Some other stuff. I mean, obviously, I mean, the biggest thing that overlies everything with the, the short sentences and, um, and it's just paying attention to your own body, you mm-hmm. know, I mean, because you know it better than anyone else, you know, it better than a doctor, even if this is the first time being pregnant, you know, what feels right and what doesn't feel, <clears throat> excuse me, like an appropriate effort. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. and so, I mean, when I was pregnant, you said you only ran with Phoebe and you didn't run with the twins. Mm-hmm. I think I made it to, I didn't even, I mean, I barely knew that I was pregnant. I mean, I was, you know, barely had like a little Hershey kiss in my stomach, <laughs> probably seven weeks or eight yeah, weeks. I yeah. mean, not very far, mm-hmm. you know, it was, it was, it was not an issue mm-hmm. and I could feel how hard it was for oh. me to, to move. I mean, it really was, it just felt wrong. It felt hard. It didn't feel any part good. And so I just said, screw it. You know, I'm mm-hmm. not going, I'm not going to run through this. I'm not. And so I hiked, I rode my bike. I, I mean, I mostly hiked and walked the dog mm-hmm. and, um, mm-hmm. and that was plenty for me. Mm-hmm. Um, hmm. yeah. I did something every day, but it wasn't, uh, you know, I mean, I don't know. I, you know, you can definitely, it's, it's really based on someone's personality, but my take was, you know, it's going to be pregnancy is enough. My body is working hard enough. I don't need to like consciously make it really work harder when mm-hmm. it doesn't feel good. If it feels mm-hmm. good, mm-hmm. then I think, you know, you're okay. Go for it. Yeah. Cause that was the thing that, so with preg with Phoebe, the sing my singleton pregnancy, which came first, I, before I was, I wrote about this in run like a mother before I, I was pregnant. And I would see pregnant women and I would think, oh, my gosh, that big belly must just be bobbing up and down like a basketball. And I thought, oh, that must be so uncomfortable. Never realizing that, that you know, pregnant a pregnant belly is not like, you know, the, the, the fat not gut. The, it's not my my muffin top that I have right now that, that jiggles with every step. It is. Oh, yeah. It it's is, not a boob, Sarah. It's not a boob. It's, it's not, not a boob. Top, but, you know? <laughs> yeah. But say, it's not a boob. It's not a boob. <laughs> <laughs> that it stays very, you know, that there's muscle around it. And so it stay, it really stays in place. Um, I did start wearing a belly band, um, when I was probably about five months pregnant or so. And that just, it just felt more comfortable to have some support. And I just said, oh, you know, it's kind of like a, a bra for my belly. So, um, to, to not tax the belly. Yeah. For my movie belly. So, and then, um, yeah. And, uh, but then I, I, you know, I had all these daydreams about, oh, I'm going to run till the day I deliver. And that's just, you know, cause it, I like it. I enjoy it. It feels good. And then just one morning I woke up, I was seven and a half months pregnant and it was a Thursday and I usually trail run, would take a trail run every Saturday. And I was like, nope, that's it. I'm done running. Like something had literally fundamentally shifted overnight and it just didn't feel right anymore. 
So, um, so then I switched to swimming and which felt so good because I had definite swelling in my, remember, um, in my hands and my feet and my kind of forearms and they'd get kind of tingly. And so going in the water had a lovely osmosis effect. Um, and speaking of water, um, hydration is just so, so important during, um, hydrating well during when you're pregnant because, um, dehydration can cause premature contractions. And that idea got just drilled into me, uh, when I went to the, when I was pregnant with twins, I went to this kind of, oh, what was it? Twin expectations or something great. I don't know. Some great expectations type (laughs) class that was not based on Dickens. And, um, so, uh, yeah, so, but that, you know, they just, with twin pregnancies, they were like, okay, you cannot get dehydrated. They can cause premature contractions. So, you know, that's super important if you're out there sweating and, and making all, you know, a bunch of fluid leave your system, make sure you're replacing, you know, that's the time to carry a water bottle with you is when you're uh, exercising while pregnant. Yes. Um, and then, yeah. And then finally, just some, some gear, you know, you talked about chub rub. So, um, you know, I think capris or shorts like, um, that kind of cling to your body, mm-hmm. um, are a better call than actual running shorts or a running skirt. Um, just because they're going to give you a little, you know, swish, swish in between your thighs. Mm-hmm. Um, but, but if you, that's not cool, um, in your mind, <laughs> which it is not cool sometimes to wear those shorts, um, a, a, a tube of body glide or some other kind of, you know, sports lubricant is a great call. Uh-huh. Um, and then similarly a bra, I mean, you know, if you, you if you are, you know, as flat as my desk, um, and you suddenly get, um, you know, a, get little sproutlets or whatever they are, <laughs> cause they're going to grow a lot more after you have that baby. That's all I got to say. That's what kind of floored me. I was like, holy cow, Dolly Parton in the house. Sister. Oh, Oh, that was just, that was amazing to me. Amazing. And, and, you know, a little, you know, side note, I have so much respect for women who run, who have a large chest. I just cannot even having, you know, having had that, you know, experience just, you know, for a couple months while I was nursing and all that. I mean, that is just, that is just very, um, my hat is off to you ladies because that's that's a lot to to handle. You know, that's interesting. You bring that up because uh, a friend of mine recommended this week. She's like, you guys, you know, you need to have on the podcast, you need to have a, a big busted woman on your podcast and have her just talk about what it's like to run with jugs and, you know, the, the, you know, and it's like, oh, that's a good point. Cause you know, as you and I pointed out on this podcast, we have, you and I have a lot of differences between us, but our boob size, we are right there. Very similar. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Well, and we have in the third book, um, which is, uh, we have a new name, Sarah, should I, should I, should I be the oh. name here? Should we make it more fanfarish? Oh, make it more fanfarish. Cause this is just, you know, this, this is just tossing. We're just talking boobs right now. <laughs> boobs and bras. Um, but so in the third book, um, we're going to have a section called what it feels like. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's going to be everything from like what it feels feels like to run a five minute mile, to be bitten by a dog, you know, fun, fun and interesting stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, and, uh, and one of them is what does it feels like to, to have, I can't remember the size chest that we have, but it is quite large. Oh, so, yeah. well, wow. so that's, uh, we can read that section if no one wants to talk about it in person. <laughs> <laughs> um, okay. Moving on to the next question. We've got, um, yeah. Angie mm-hmm. asking about, she's wondering if there are any specific indicators excuse me, or gut feelings of when to try a marathon. And I just, I love this question. And because you're a marathon mom. That's why you love this question. <laughs> I'm a mamathoner. I sure am. Um, because I just started training for marathon number 11. Um, so, but that's, that's a conversation for another podcast. Um, so yeah, so it's interesting. My um, hairdresser was just asking me this question and she was like, oh, you know, when did you run your first marathon? 
And so sitting there, you know, I had a little time on my hands and I, I was like, oh, I guess I waited like 15 years of running before I took on my first 26.2. So how about you, Dim? What was your marathon math? Well, it's funny you should ask. I'm a little dismayed you don't remember the beautiful writing that I wrote about um, <laughs> in chapter nine. I can of, quote of, Emily like Dickinson, but I can't quote Dimity yeah, McDowell. Exactly. You can't quote Dimity McDowell? <laughs> what, what kind of person are you? Oh, I do. Um, no. I, I can quote one line. When you keep your eyes on the road, you can speak from the heart, right? Yeah. Don't think, just go. Yeah, those are two. <laughs> um, so uh, this was, I wrote the evolution of a runner. Mm-hmm. Um uh, chapter, which was about my running career. Mm-hmm. Um, and, uh, I mean, I, so my first marathon was in 1997. Mm-hmm. I basically started running in 1990, but that was for rowing. Mm-hmm. Um, I started running seriously, like with only running, um, in 95. Oh. So it was about 18 months or a little, oh, look at you. um, a little, little bit over that, but that was because I, I moved to New York. I had no money for, um, a gym mm-hmm. and, uh, and so I ran around Central Park. I mean, that's what I did. And mm-hmm. I was coming off of rowing very seriously. So I had this kind of itch that I had to keep scratching. And um, <laughs> so I had to exercise just mm-hmm. to, you know, not go crazy. Mm-hmm. Um, so, yeah. So, so, but, but that's the good point. I mean, so you are 15 years. I'm more like two years. Um, so there is no math, <laughs> basically. <laughs> um, I mean, what, you know, so any indication or gut feelings, Sarah, you think that someone should have before they try 26.2? I mean, I think, I think, well, I think, I think if the idea is brewing there in, in your head, then you just sort of need to look at some things and you, you, you know, I think two years, I would say, you know, you, you were very, um, you're coming off a very strenuous athletic career at that point. I think that you need to have at least a year, if not more of running under your belt before you start training for a marathon, because it is a uh, you know a race distance unto itself, and the training is pretty intense. And you open yourself up to injuries, and you know I don't know all sorts of overuse things. If you just are like, oh okay, I started running in May, and gee that October marathon, all my friends are doing it, so I'm going to do that. It's like, mm, yeah, no, 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 that's not a prudent decision. So well, it's, it, then I was actually having a discussion with a friend the other night. Then it, then it's more of like a bucket list thing, and you know, an AMR's uh, you know kind of mission statement if we had one is is to you know create lifelong runners and you know if you try to go from you know zero or a very short you know race distance up to a marathon and and not enough time you are you might make it but mm-hmm. chances are you're not going to love running because it's going to be really hard mm-hmm. and like you said injuries and then mental burnout mm-hmm. you know i mean mm-hmm. and so you're going to be done and you're going to be done yeah in two ways you're going to cross the finish line and you're going to be done with running i mean that's i think a pretty normal way that a human would react to, to that kind of effort in that short of um, a time span. Yeah. Yeah. But I've, I feel, you know, if it's, it's Angie, if it's something that really is mulling around in your mind and is something that is more than just a pa- passing, you know, oh, I had to go see that movie, you know, type fancy. It's, you know, sit down and, and take a look at what your life is going to be like for the next six months or something. See how if if putting marathon training onto your plate, if that would make your plate too full, or you know, if you're like, oh yeah, I got I got some time, and I'd appreciate the, you know, the the time out there by myself or with a friend, then you know, ex- explore the option. I think. Um, 
you know. Yeah, and we, I talked about this earlier, uh, I feel like on a podcast that was just on, so I'm not going to uh, expound on it greatly, but something like this that, you know, is a good effort. I mean, you're going to be out there, you're going to be training for three to four months pretty intensely, mm-hmm. and it's going to take a lot of willpower to, mm-hmm. you have to move your schedule around, you're going to have to go for runs that you really don't want to run, mm-hmm. you know, in order to get a good race. And so, I think you've got to want it like a good 80 to 85% before you start, because Mm -hmm. during that training, your motivation level will probably dip to 50, if not below at some point. And so if you start at 50% and, and then you drop, you know, you're not, you're not going to, I mean, you can definitely make it. Don't get me wrong. And a lot of people are strong enough to make it, but you know, we want it to be a fun, a fun experience, Mm -hmm. a positive experience. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And, And while I was thinking about this question, um, a mother runner named Evelyn sprung to mind, and she loves half marathons and shorter races, but she she's um, sometimes models for our uh, store site. And so I asked her to model our 26.2 sweatshirt. And she, before she put it on, she made it very clear that she had zero interest in ever running a marathon. And, you know, I got to hand it to her. You know, she, she knew her mind. And, you know, even in a city like Portland, where you can kind of feel like you're the odd man out if you're not training for odd woman out, if you're not training for a, a big race or something, you know, she was just... It's like, nope, that's not for me, and and I'm good with you know my running as it is. So yeah, yeah. Um, no matter whether you go 5K or 26.2 or beyond, I mean, you're still a runner. You don't have to run 26.2 to be a real runner. Mm-hmm. So yeah, yeah. You don't get a diploma sure. when you cross that finish line. So. No, you do not. Yeah, yeah. So um, so Jennifer wants um, tips on running form while pushing a stroller, and I thought we have you and I have both written articles about this topic, so I feel like we have some. Um, concrete topics that we can, or tips that we can share with her. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. So, um, so alternate the arm that you're pushing the stroller with. Cause I, I know um, I can become a, a creature of habit and, you know, like, I don't know, you know, I always carried my kid on the same hip or, you know, I always, you know, put my purse on the same shoulder, that sort of thing. And so, you know, don't just push your stroller with your left hand, you know, s- switch arms um, on occasion, you know, on flat straightaways and that sort of thing. Yep. And then, um, and then if you're on anything tricky, um, corners, um, an uphill that's especially steep, um, any kind of downhill, um, you want obviously both hands on the stroller so that your, you know, cargo doesn't go flying off into traffic. Um, and there's also safety straps on on most running strollers. So you got to have, you know, put that around your wrist. Um, And, uh, and, and when you're hanging on, um, you know, the, the closer the stroller is to you, mm. the easier it is. So, I mean, you don't want to kick the stroller with every step, but you also don't want to have your arms, you know, completely straight in front of you. So you're kind of doing this kind of Frankenstein run. <laughs> right, 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 right. So short, frequent steps are the key when you're running behind a stroller and also sort of off to the side, right? I mean, that's when I would run with particularly the twins in my stroller, you know, so it would be, I'd be pushing it and it would be sort of off to one side when I was using just one hand to push it. And then, um, at least the stroller didn't seem to be in front of both my feet. It only seemed to be sort of close to one of my feet, but yeah, um, yeah. I mean, they're definitely engineered so that you can run directly behind it, but if it feels better to kind of have a little open space mm-hmm. in front of you, then absolutely you can put it to the side. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, but mostly, I mean, mostly it's it's good running form that you should use both when you're using a stroller and not. Mm-hmm. Um, and those things are standing tall. I mean, I can't even tell you, going back to the boulder, boulder. I mean, I think I was, I honestly feel like I was like my forehead was touching my knees when I, there are two. So the last part of this, it's a 10K. You come into the stadium and, um, and there's a, a pretty steep hill getting in, oh. getting into like the, 
you're not in the stadium yet, but it's getting to the point where you can kind of enter the stadium. Mm-hmm. So like I tried to stay strong during that, but like I said, I was very, very slouched. Mm-hmm. And then once you kind of get on the grounds, you have to climb another freaking oh. hill to get into the stadium. <laughs> so I thought it was just that one little hump. Oh. No, it was two. And by the time the second one came around, I mean, I swear, I was like, <laughs> I could see, like, you know, I was looking at the gap between my legs, you know, like I was so slumped over. And um, so standing tall is so important because when you stand tall, you can use your core, which is really what is pushing the stroller. I mean, it may feel like your arms are doing it, but really, if you think about, you know, your 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 running motor is basically from your belly button on down for the mm-hmm. most part. Mm-hmm. You know, that's 80% of where you get your power and your drive from. So if you almost think of like, I am pushing the stroller with my core, with my, you know, my belly button, my pelvis, my hips. And thinking about like that needs to be as kind of wide and engaged as it can be, mm-hmm. you're going to be in a good shape. Oh, those, are, those are good tips, Timothy. Thanks, so, thanks. Yeah, yeah. And then, of course, be prepared to fly when you run solo. <laughs> so, uh, or not. Yeah. <laughs> if, if you don't, it's okay. But yeah, 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 yeah. definitely. Yeah. And so, carry lots of, you know, Cheerios or lollipops or whatever else gets you through the run. Right, right. Okay. For, for the kid, not you. For the kid, not you. <laughs> um, so, okay. So, one, let's, um, one final question for this podcast, which comes from Carrie, who is just across the river. From me here in Portland, she is running her first half, um, which when people listen to this, she'll be running it in one week. It's the Vancouver USA Marathon in half. She'll be running the half. And so she says that the whole taper idea does not make sense to me. She says, uh, I feel like I'm gaining moment- momentum, so why stop the week before the race? I am planning to taper because all my friends say, you must taper, but <laughs> but Carrie says she just doesn't get it. So. Oh, Carrie. <laughs> Well, you're going to try it once. Go for <laughs> to, it. To Don't not taper. And then let us know how you feel. Well, she may feel great because it's her first one and she sounds like she's just ready to rock and roll, right? Uh-huh. Um, so the thing about it is, is um, so if you've done a really nice training cycle and you've stayed injury-free and hit most of your workouts, mm-hmm. like you're basically like you've got – Oh gosh, what, what, what's, let's call it a chocolate cake today. Okay, so you've made this amazing, delicious, handmade chocolate cake. The batter is just, you know, you've, you've tasted it. It's perfect. It's, mm, you know, it's dripping mm. over the side of the bowl. The oven is preheated. You pour it into your little flour pan and you've got to put the, uh, it's not done, right? It tastes good. And it's like, oh, I could eat this all right now, just in raw batter form. But it's not going to be as good as if you put it in the oven and let it bake. Mm-hmm. And bring it out and have it with ice cream, right? Mm-hmm. And frosted, of course. Frosted. Because mm-hmm. what's a cake without frosting, right? <laughs> and um, and the taper time is that oven baking time. Mm-hmm. And it is hard to sit through that, especially when you really want a piece of chocolate cake, <laughs> especially when you want to run and you've been running so strong and running so well. Mm-hmm. But, you know, if you take the cake out of the oven, you know, at 47 minutes and it's supposed to cook for 55 yeah. Like you're leaving something on the table. Same yeah. with your running. If you are supposed to go for a three mile run during your taper and you're like, oh, I feel good. I'm just going to just double it. Just go six and <laughs> okay. I'll be fine, you know? And then, you know, it's not that you're going to, it'll still taste like chocolate cake, but it's not going to be the best damn chocolate cake you've ever made. <laughs> you know, I, I almost feel like I'm not even going to add anything to that because that was so beautiful. <laughs> that analogy was so stretched out, so complete. I can taste that cake. I know. Yeah. I want some. I <laughs> it's my anniversary yesterday. Grant got me carrot cake. That was my present oh. and flowers. That was nice. Wow. Really that, that, nice. That'll bookend this. Just yeah. like, you know, my downhill half marathon and my uphill half marathon <laughs> coming up. But yeah, so really, you know, you've got to just, just, yeah, just yeah. try it. Just trust us on this one because we've tapered enough. Yeah. 
yeah. to know that it is worth the mental crazies that you're going to go through for a couple days. Yeah, yeah. You've, your body has done all the work. Now you need to let it bake, as as Dimity so um, accurately and beautifully described. So, you know, and then on June 15th, you take that cake out of the oven and you, you know, and you, and you savor it. You biggest del- <laughs> freaking piece you've ever seen in your life and you're going to feel like a rock star. So, yeah. Hey, so yeah. there you go. <laughs> All righty. For, for more of us, you can go to Facebook, our pages, Run Like a Mother, the book. Our website is anothermotherrunner.com. Our store site is motherrunnerstore.com. On Twitter and Instagram, we're at The Mother Runner. Our books Run Like a Mother and Train Like a Mother are available on Amazon.com as well as our store site. And many happy miles to you. Let's go eat some cake. Let them eat cake, Sarah, right? (laughs) Let them eat cake. (laughs) 